Just going to take a few moments tonight, but I want you to, if you would, please give your attention. was thinking about a Christmas message, and uh, I thought about numbers of tick, dick, different passages, but the Lord brought me to Galatians chapter 5. For some people, I, I spoke with a man this week. He said, Pastor, I never do like the Christmas season. The holidays really eat my lunch. I don't like them. I don't like to be around them and because it was my childhood and how I was treated and what happened as a child. No doubt, there are some people who just heard that to say, that's me. I don't like it. I don't want to go through another lonely year. Everybody's so festive, and I'm by myself, or I have bad memories. remember years ago watching my dad. He must have had a difficult time with his mother being intoxicated before she came to know Christ her Savior. And I know the holidays were not easy. And I couldn't understand as a child, but I could tell my dad would get especially stressed during the Christmas season. He wanted to do more for us than maybe was physically or financially able. And I found myself sometimes going to mom and saying, what's wrong? You know, what's, what's the matter? We're good. And he, she would say, you know, dad is having a hard time. And I think it's because of how he was raised, what happened. And of course, the holidays, December 25th, just another day on the calendar. Because we represent, and of course, uh, I heard about a lady of the day. She said, man, I wish the church would get horning in on Christmas. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is why you have Christmas, because of, of the church and the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. It's become so commercialized that Christmas is all about family. It's all about Santa. It's all about shopping. It's all about fruitcake or whatever else you want to think about. Thank God it's not about fruitcake. Amen. Amen. We got some fruitcakes in our church, but <laughs> aren't fruitcakes old? Is that what happens there? There, okay. But whatever the situation, you know, the Christmas ought to be about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one should enjoy the Christmas season more than a true Christian. Someone who has Christ on the inside has the Spirit of Christ, and yes, it comes with some stress sometimes. It comes with some, some paradigms that we think, oh, this is the way it should be. But boy, when you, I like what Apostle Paul said to a group of people of Corinth. He goes, I'm a little nervous, and I'm paraphrasing, that you'll get away from the simplicity that is in Christ. And we realize that Christmas is about the person of Jesus Christ, not about you, not about me, not about trees and presents and songs and things of that nature, all that can complement what Christ is. But I think probably one of the greatest things you can do at Christmas, I believe, out of this passage, is to be filled with the Spirit of Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, the Bible says if you, if you walk and if you, if you have the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. Now, all of us, when we get saved... Uh, before we're saved, we're flesh-filled. It's all about the flesh. And the, I, the Bible says we've got a body, we've got a soul, and, and then when we get saved, our spirit is awakened. But now as a new child of God, I've got to learn to, I've got to yield to either the Holy Spirit, my new spirit that's inside of me, but it's given to me by the Holy Spirit, or yield to the flesh. And that's a battle for me every day. I've got a few friends who don't agree with that, but I, I think the more I look at the scriptures, I just realize that, that my old man did not die when I got saved. He, unfortunately, is alive and well with the greed, 
the covetousness, the short temper, the problems and difficulties that go with that, the selfishness, it's still alive and well in me, and I'm assuming it's alive and well in you. But when we get saved, we now have a Holy Spirit has given us a spiritual life. And there is a battle going on. Who's going to run it? We find it in the book of uh, Romans, chapter 6 and chapter 7. And Paul just says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me from this body of sin, this old man? And then, of course, the key to being delivered from the old man is walking in the Spirit in Romans chapter 8. But Paul is writing to a Galatian church that is mixed up in numbers. They've been listening to the wrong kind of people. He said, man, you guys are doing good. Who did hinder you? By the way, be careful who you listen to. Make sure you're not listening. It's amazing sometimes that people can have Sunday school teachers and college professors and, and, and pastors and teachers and youth pastors that love them, know their name, know their heartaches, take them through difficult times, walk their way through their college career, and they will listen to them, and then they'll go back to their dorm room or to their room or go someplace, and they'll put a podcast on and fall in love and listen to a fellow who doesn't even know who they are tell them a bunch of squirrely doctrine. Be careful who you listen to. But here's just some biblical thoughts here. I want to just talk to you through this, and we're going we're gonna fin to finish up on Wednesday, but I want to talk tonight a little bit about what the Bible says about living a spirit-filled life and the dichotomy that you and I are facing. The world, the flesh, the devil, but my own flesh versus the Holy Spirit-filled life. Let's look at verse number 16, can we please? This I say then, and of course he said a lot of things before that, then verse 7 is what I'm just now quoting. Look at verse 7. Read it out loud with me. Chapter 5, verse 7. Ye did run well, that ye should not obey the truth. And you always got to watch out. There's all, the devil will always put a who in your life and in my life. And I'm just saying, I'm 54, but I can look back from when I was young and dumb till I'm older and dumb now, but I can look back and see the devil strategically put people in my life who did not have my best interest in mind, and they did not have the Spirit of Christ. I remember years ago, I was here, First Baptist Church. And this happened several times in my life. I've got some friends in high school I can think about this. I've got a couple, couple of spiritual leaders that I felt like they just, they just took a left-hand turn, and they wanted me to take that turn with them. But I remember one fellow who just kept giving me these tapes, calling me over to his house, fixing meals, and, but every time it was to feed me more negative information about a situation that really was off, off my radar. I didn't even need to be involved with it. But this guy was in it deep, and he was wanting to take me with him. Well, I, felt, I found about three months of bitterness as a result of one human being that I let to start talking to me. I thought he cared about me. and Maybe he did in his own sordid way, but he was telling me stuff that was not helpful for the life and times of John Wilkerson, it hurt me. And it wasted three months of my life chasing my tail instead of doing what God wanted me to do. And I find the devil always has someone in that. So he says, this I say then, walk in the spirit that ye not fulfill the lust of the flesh. One of the biggest principles that you and I need to learn in our Christian walk, walk is this. And that is you overcome evil with, you overcome evil with, 
good. You overcome negative things by biblical practices. And he says, look, walk in the Spirit, and then you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You start walking in the Spirit, you'll stay as far away from pornography as you can imagine. You start walking in the Spirit, you will not be caught up in these, in these romance novels. You, you, you're not going to be drawn to that. You walk in the Spirit, you're going to find less and less attraction to everything that's going on in Facebook and, and, and all the, the, the Instagrams. A lot of that stuff is just garbage. And let me just tell you something. It was, said, it was said from the apostles this, you cannot speak. You cannot help but speak of the things that you. And be careful what you see. Boy, I don't know too much about it, but boy, you start flipping through some of these things, there's no telling what you'll see. You try to find a YouTube, and, and boy, they'll start feeding you all kinds of garbage. You click on one, they'll give you some more garbage to see. It's just, it's just a, it's a nonstop, and it takes you to harder and, and more, 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 uh, more uh, detrimental things in your heart and life. He said, but if you'll walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he'll going to tell us what some of those things are. He'll give us 17 different lusts of the flesh that we'll see in this passage of Scripture. But let's look real quick at verse 17. Because it just tells us a pre, uh, just a, a, a principle here. The flesh lusteth against the spirit. That means they're, they're, in, they're, they're, counter, they're counterproductive to each other. There is a fight. And the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse number 19. And now he starts describing what does the flesh look like. And he's going to give us in several categories. One, he's going to give us some rank sexual sins. That's where he starts off. Then he's going to talk about some religious, spiritual sins. Then he's going to talk about some social, relational sins. 17 of them in all, and you can begin, if you would please, in verse number 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. This is how you know when you are living a flesh-filled life. These are obvious. These are what make it obvious. Number one, adultery. I wish that we never had any adultery in the First Baptist Church of Hammond. But we might have it right now. We might have somebody that's not being faithful they're married, and they're not being faithful to their spouse. And it's adultery. He said, it's a work of the flesh. And how do we overcome the flesh? You walk in the spirit. So you want to be an adulterer? Uh, walk in the flesh. It's one of the first things out of the box here. You want to, you want to make sure that you can end your life with the, I, I sometimes I heard a man say this one time, I want to end my life with the, right, with the same beliefs. The same book and the same babe. <laughs> That's good. I want to be faithful to my wife the rest of my life. Never, never to have that question. But adultery is a work of the flesh. What's the next one? And this is, of course, this is the next one it says is fornication. That is sexual sins. And it's to include homosexuality. It's, it's premarital uh, relationships that are, that are wrong. It's anything... Out, uh, before marriage, it's wrong. I think you can go to all kinds of things here. But you're certainly, adultery is, is, in, is, a, is, illegitimate, is a legitimate relationship with someone who's not your spouse when you're married. Fornication is sexual sin outside of marriage. 
and it could include bestiology, could, could, could include uh, the pornography, could include all kinds of things here. The physical is what, is what that is. The next one is uncleanness, and uncleanness is any kind of perverted sin. Any perverted actions that can be done, that's what it's talking about there. So adultery, fornication, and then uncleanness. And the next one, it says lasciviousness. Now, we don't use that word very often. There's two words that are oftentimes put in the same box. One of them is, is, is this word right here, lasciviousness. And that one has to do with mental stuff, primarily. It is a mental occupation with things that are forbidden, physically, sexually. Think the fornication, uncleanness, they're a little bit more physical things. Lasciviousness is that, is that that's the porn. That's the thinking. That's the, the potty mouth. That's that nothing can be clean. You always have an innuendo. You're always talking. You're always thinking. You're always going someplace else in your mind. These are works of the flesh that need to be dealt with. And how do we deal with works of the flesh? Walk in the... Some of us will spend all of our time trying to kill weeds when we need to grow grass. You want to chop off everything. And by the way, that, I mean, you have to go for the juggling these things. But one of the shortcuts to that is to be spirit-led. Walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill. Now, we do have a battle going on. Verse 17, 18 tells us that. It lusts against the spirit and vice versa. That you don't do what you want to do, what you need to do. And now it says there are four wicked sins of adultery and fornication and uh, uncleanness and then lasciviousness. And that is thought processes. Many of us, you may never have done it. You say, well, I've never done anything like that. But, but, but your mind. Another word that we see in the Bible is concupiscence. And concupiscence is a little bit different than this. And that is creating desires for things that are forbidden. It is putting yourself in a situation to create something that you're not supposed to do and not supposed to see and not supposed to partake in. And that's another challenging sin. It's not mentioned as much in, in Galatians as it is in some of the other ones. But he says, lasciviousness, what's going on between your ears? Concupiscence is getting yourself in a situation. This is why the, the internet is so dangerous. It's why your phone is so dangerous. And it's why just little things that come up, what they do, they create desires inside of us for things that God says no to. How do we overcome that? Well, one of the ways is to be spirit-filled. To walk in the spirit that will not fulfill the lust of our flesh. Look at the next, uh, the next set of sins. There are two religious sins there. See some rank sexual sins, and we see some religious spiritual sins. Idolatry. And that is putting, that's putting something before God, really whether it be a, a physical item or something that I exalt above the Lord. The second commandment in the scriptures is that thou shalt not worship idols. God made everything on the planet. He doesn't want him, us to worship a stone, a, 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 an angel. He doesn't want us to worship another, another item. But the truth of the matter is some of us, we don't do that in that way, but we do. You know, before we put up a, a Bible verse on our wall, we'll put up somebody, and I don't think it's necessarily always wrong, but we'll oftentimes idolize 
Chicago Bears. I mean, good night. <laughs> Bringing something like that into the pulpit of the church and want me to preach with that. I mean, I'm just telling you, there could be a lot of things. I'm just teasing about those things. But there are some things that, that, that people, they're, they're at home because they don't want to miss the game. You know what that is? It's idolatry. It's putting something else before God, our comfort, our ease, our hobbies, our business. And we have, we have choices. And you're going to have those choices continue. And Satan will help you with those. Society will help you with those. Your own selfishness will help you with those. And then he says witchcraft, idolatry, witchcraft. Now, witchcraft, it comes from the word pharmacia, like a pharmacy. And so it does certainly include the occult, but also intoxicants, things that intoxicate, drugs. These are things that oftentimes you can find them in many religious circles. Look at the next things. Now we're going to go to relationship sins, sins of society. And these are not necessarily, we've had the sexual sins, we had the spiritual sins. Now we're going to go to some the hatred. Just having an animosity in your heart towards somebody. When you close your, night, close your eyes tonight, they come to your eyes. They come to your mind's eye. You're thinking about them. Man, I can't stand that person. They owe me money. It's, it's an animosity you have towards somebody on the planet. By the way, the Bible tells us these things. And by the way, every sin we're going to talk about here going, not only are sins that affect the church, they're every one of them are affecting marriages. Marriages that struggle have, have problems in these areas. And they oftentimes start with a bitterness. Let's look at the next one there. And we see variance. And uh, those, that means a, a, a contentious spirit. Argumentative. Always kind of having, you know, well, answers may vary. Let me tell you how I think about that. Those are, those are things. Emulations. These are, these are arguments. Just an argumentative thing. Wrath. When I lose my temper, you lose your temper. It's, it's, it's anger out of control. And oftentimes we think, well, you know, I've got my control, my anger. Ask our kids. Ask our spouse. Ask the people at work. People that know us, you know, oftentimes like, you know, I'm just, I just, and don't blame your ancestry. Well, I'm Irish, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm Puerto Rican, and it doesn't matter. Whatever you are is not the reason you're losing your temper. Okay, we've got to blame sin and see it. You start making excuses for it, you never get to deal with it. But hatred, variance, he continues on with emulations and wrath, strife, someone who is continually has a, a bitterness to them. Seditions, rebellious, is someone who is, who is uh, undermining. You know, there's, there's just a, and a, you have to work, walk, work on this continually. I do. So easy just to undermine the authorities. I have a, sometimes a frustration when I'm watching a sports and the referee doesn't see things the way I do. I want to call him over and say, do you really believe that happened? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I say, well, I'd like to believe it too, but then we'd both be wrong, right, buddy? You know, and but we have to be careful that we don't create rebellion. Sedition, not recognizing the authority in the situation. The next thing I think we can see here is heresies. And heresy has a lot of things, but it really, oftentimes, the, it, there's, 
you know, heresy, like someone who doesn't teach the right thing. But I think in this context, it's speaking about people that create a cause and try to get you on their side of the cause. We see it all the time. It's inside of me. It's inside of you. Whenever your teacher doesn't give you the grade you feel like you want or someone gives you demerits at school or someone doesn't treat you right, you might say, hey, what do you think about so-and-so? Oh, they didn't do that. Have they ever done anything wrong to you? Oh, yeah. Well, they did something wrong to me. So you've created a cause, and you're trying to get other people on your side of the cause to pull your way. It's natural. It's an old man thing. It's a work of the flesh. Just as serious as fornication or uncleanness or lasciviousness would be, just as serious as witchcraft and idolatry, he's going some things that really are in my wheelhouse. I do some of these same things because it's part of the old man. How does the old man over, be overcome? Walk in the spirit. We're going to talk about this a little bit Wednesday, but I think it's not, it's not as difficult as you think it is. I'll tell you what's difficult is living a wicked life. Living a flesh-filled life, that's where the way of the transgressor is hard. The blessing is living a spirit-filled life. And it can be possible for every one of us. If you're saved, you can live as holy and as righteous as any person that you admire in Christianity. You can be as close to God as you want to be. Say, Pastor, you don't know what's going on between my ears. You don't know what I've seen in my life and how I've experienced and who hurt me and, and how I was raised. Listen, all of that can be overcome by the precious Holy Spirit of God. And where sin abounded, God's grace did much more abound. You can walk in the Spirit. By the way, you don't have to be saved 25 years to be Spirit-filled. You can be saved 25 minutes and be Spirit-filled. You, you can let the Holy Spirit lead you. So much of that is wanting to be led by the Holy Spirit. Number two is being consistent, being faithful. I was thinking about a few people that I love very much, and they got saved here, and they got baptized here, and they grew for a while, but now they're just they're letting little things kind of keep them from, and it grieves me so much. Sometimes you feel like you can't help them keep, stop the slide. And they're letting little things continue to, to fickle and frustrate them in the work of the Lord, and they don't have to do that because the way of the transgressor, well, you go back into trips into Babylon, you're going to find, you'll pick up baggage and challenges that you just, you can't, you can't erase. And living a flesh-lived, flesh-ruled life is very frustrating. Let's continue and we'll, con we'll conclude tonight with verse 20, 21. He says, envying, jealousies, and then, of course, murders, goodness. Hatred intensifies to where you wish someone were dead. Boy, kids, never get mad and say, I wish you were dead. To your brother, to your sister, to your mom, to your dad. Don't ever, don't ever get so stupid as to say that. And if you say it quickly, arrest your thoughts, fall to your knees and say, God, have mercy upon me. Please forgive me. And God says what we say and what's in our heart, he already knows. But murderers, drunkenness, you know how you cannot be drunk? Just don't drink. Well, you, 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 you can drink and you don't, you don't get drunk. Well, I don't know. How, how much does it take? I think if you just abstain from it, that would be a better idea. Drunkenness. It's a work of the flesh. Revelings. That means the party spirit. 
It means, hey, we're having a party. We've got the party, 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 hardy going on here. Such like, of which I tell you before, and I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In closing, let me help you understand something. Inherit the kingdom of God is not talking about salvation. Okay? Uh, that is talking about reward. Remember, it is faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing minus nothing that gives us eternal, eternal life with Christ. Okay? It's faith in Christ determines your eternal destiny. It is service and obedience to Christ that determines your eternal rewards. And I will just promise you, and you could promise me the same thing, we practice and live in the flesh, these 17 sins will complicate your eternal inheritance. They will not complicate your eternal destiny. A person that's saved can do any of these wicked sins when lived in the flesh. And sometimes you'll think, well, you know, if I'm saved, then why did I do that? Probably because if you're truly saved, it's because you're flesh filled. And we're not filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You want to make a Christmas to remember? You want to make a December 2021 to remember besides buying an automobile? Christmas to remember sale, sometimes it just comes to my mind like that. You want to have a Christmas to remember? You want to have a December to remember? Say, God, please help me to know what it's like to be spirit-filled, to be yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. You'll do better things by accident, being yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, than you will on purpose, trying to read every book and cross every T and dot every I that you think that makes someone a good Christian. My, my suggestion is not try to be a good Christian. Try to be filled with the Spirit of God. Because we walk in the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of us. They are, in, they are animosity to one another. But it will complicate your inheritance. One thing as a pastor that I want for me, and I want it for Linda and the kids, and I want it for you, I would like for you to have a good eternity. Now, all of us are going to be good if we're with God. But I, I think you're whistling the wind if you think everybody's going to enjoy eternity the same way. I'll tell you who's going to enjoy the inheritance of an eternity the best is people who are filled with the Spirit, who are led by the Spirit of God. Because if we do these works of the flesh, they will affect our eternal reward, not our eternal destiny. I believe it teaches that clear. Let's pray together.